Hey everyone, a quick note before we get on with the podcast episode today. So I was originally gonna release this a couple months uh, later in this year, so like July or August, because this episode is an interview with a house hacking client, and I was gonna include their interview in with a new series we have called the Ultimate House Hacking Guide for Denver, which is gonna be a deep, detailed dive into everything house hacking for Denver, because I've talked to probably hundreds of people now over the last few years, and they get great conceptual knowledge on house hacking, but they don't know how to apply it here in Denver. So this guide is meant to be a deep dive so people understand the Denver market and the unique opportunities and challenges it offers for house hackers here. So uh, this was gonna be a, or it is an interview with a client who helped who I helped buy a house hack property with. And I was included in there because it's just a great story about how they found the property, run the numbers, and just a great success story. However, they also share some timely news and updates on how they lease properties, operating their properties during this COVID pandemic. So I wanted to include it uh, earlier rather than later. So enjoy the show. And in the next month or two, be on the lookout for the ultimate house hacking guide for Denver. You're listening to the Denver Real Estate Investing Podcast, where it's all about helping you grow your Denver real estate portfolio. Here's your host, Chris Lopez. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another podcast episode. So Chris Lopez here, and today I'll be interviewing one of my clients who bought his first house hack a few months ago and doing this interview for a couple of reasons, because he's got a great story, a great property, and also he's gonna be included in the ultimate house hacking guide for Denver that we'll be publishing here in the very near future, probably in July timeframe it looks like. So his story will be included in that book, uh, but I also wanted to bring him on the podcast. So my guest is Austin Allen. Austin, how's it going today? Great, really happy to be here. So for a lot of you guys who listen to the podcast here, uh, one of the first deal analyses that we did in our deal analysis splits through like March and April, uh, we did a, quite a few on house hacks. And we talked about one that was a room by room rental house hack in Aurora. And that is your place, Austin. So I know we talked numbers in that podcast. They will kind of give some, give a little background on Austin. How's it going? How he found the place? Just kind of the story and all the color um, as to how he got the place. So Austin, I mean, I always like to ask this question to people. What made you get interested in real estate investing? Sure. I think it's something I've been previously thought about a lot and had a really hard time figuring out how to get involved with it and kind of took whatever I could to stay up on the topic, reading a little bit um, and was just trying to figure out ways to get into it. I met you in what, 20... A couple of years ago. 17 or something like yeah. that. Um, and kind of started seeing a different way to get involved without having to be a very, very wealthy person and uh, started just doing more research on that, getting more familiar with everything I was in there and figuring out how I could get myself involved in any way, even in a small way. So was there, I mean, because I know for like for me, for example, you know, I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad in 20 or, you know, 2002 or 2003 or something that kind of shifted my mindset for real estate. A lot of people, that's the book or similar book that got them on. They're like, was there like, a book or a, a CD or a podcast or some instance that made you interested in real estate? I So I read Rich Dad Poor Dad, I think when I was in probably high school, I had an economics teacher who kind of like pushed it upon us to read that and remember a lot of the lessons, 
but never implemented them in my life okay. for like 10 years until like 10 years after that. So it was something I was, it was like always in the back of the mind, but it was more of like personal responsibility before I was like, all right, I need to kind of like start trying to figure out how to implement these things. But I can't say there was just like a singular moment that happened. It, okay. it was something I learned really young, but I started to see more people be, you know, you start to kind of see how people are successful and real estate's already always part of their portfolio or always like a really big part of their story of how they got a really big bump in there. So kind of just saw that and said, hey, if I ever want to be anywhere in that kind of position, I got to figure out how to get started. And so this is just something I kind of, since high school, you kind of knew real estate investing was something you to invest in and be involved with just as you grew your career for, for retirement one day. Yeah, yeah, I definitely knew it was something that was necessary. Um, kind of growing up, seeing a lot, I worked in a, like a really affluent country club when I was probably about 19 or 20. And Were I, you a caddy? Uh, no, I, I worked in the restaurant okay. in, the, in the men's clubhouse. Yep. And there was always that like banter and kind of picked up things from people here and there. And that was just, you know, they're always talking about that stuff, investing their own business. Um, picked up a lot of cues from them and that was a very common theme. And, you know, again, it took a little while, to, took a little longer to get implemented in my life, but I, I feel like I had the, the background processes running about it. So why house hacking versus the other, you know, 99 ways one can invest in real estate? Yeah, I think, I mean, a lot of it came down to how quickly I wanted to execute. I think I could have, could I have gone down another path? Like certainly, but it would have taken a lot more time. And by the time, I just need like amount of time needed for the capital to get there. And I think there's a lot of interesting ways for uh, creative financing, things of that nature, which I don't want to say are like, a hearsay, but they are really, really difficult. No, and, talk on that because I mean, yeah. you, you've been researching and doing stuff, and I, I talk with the clients, you know, multiple times a week. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, I just think I, there's always there's always the book about it. You know, there's like 15 chapters, 15 ways to do it, and I think that they're over exaggerated in ease. Um, and we can kind of touch on the way I got involved with it quickly. Was I my creative process was find somebody who I trusted and buy the house with them, and that made me be able to go in at half of the amount of costs that we were able to go in. I mean, we ended up, you know, me and my partner probably went in, I think it cost us maybe like 20 or $22,000 to get the house and the house like set up. So not, uh, you know, an investment, but not an amount of money that is, you know, so far out in the future that you can't like make a move quickly. Yeah. So talk about the way you structure it because you and your business partner, like how that come, how, how'd that come about? Yeah, so he's a friend, you know, I've known him since high school, he, a, a student of Rich Dad Poor Dad as well, you know, is a believer in all this stuff. And I think- uh, Was he in the same econ class as you? Uh, he probably was, yeah. Um, if not, we had the same teacher. Um, but we, you know, similar mindsets. And I think both just are, didn't take advantage of it soon enough um, when we were younger. Like if you're looking back, like I, I should have done this. I should have asked my mom and dad for $25,000 and said, I'll pay you back as soon as possible and started doing this. But uh, I, I was thinking about this. I had talked to you about, you know, trying to do this on my own. We were kind of looking at attached housing and, you know, running the numbers and what that future would look like. And it was just didn't make as much sense to get a house. And it was like, okay, I can wait two more years and try and just like save like crazy or change what the plan is. Uh, and I called my friend Mike and I said, I, I think I texted him first and I said, hey, how interested are you in a real estate investment? And he just said 100%. So I called him the next day and, and you know, I talked about him kind of, and then passed along a bunch of information from you. And you know, like I said, like catch up on this as soon as possible on these like webinars, articles, yeah. just like start reading and figure it out. See if you are comfortable with this plan looks like. Um, gave Mike a week to do that. Then I 
kind of phoned him back because he's over in Germany. So we have this like kind of difficulty communicating sometimes. And he was just, you know, all about it. And it worked out really well that he's not in the house. So it gives us an extra room to rent out, but he gets to kind of participate in all the upside with it as well. So how did you go about like kind of picking a business partner? Because it's always, you know, business partnerships are, you know, my mind, they're, they're kind of there in, in the same terms of like realm as like marriage. It's, it's a huge commitment and uh, they can be great. And it can also not be great to put it very politely. Yeah. And there's a lot of stuff to understand as far as a business partner. So obviously you guys go, go way back yeah. to, you know, to high school or whatever. But like, why did you choose to reach out to him? And what were some of the, like the, the details you guys talked about? Yeah, I think with him, a lot of it is him putting the trust in me to make the right decisions. And I definitely value his input on everything that's going on. But he also understands that like I'm the boots on the ground. And I don't want to say he gives me like decision-making power, but you know, he I any major decision, we always bounce it back and forth off each other and like listen to each other and and work it through there. But like ultimately he like understands that like I'm here dealing with the problems and yeah. he's like okay with the decision that I come up with. Um but I mean we're just like We've done a lot of random things together, you know, working on like project cars and this and stuff. And we just like have meshed well. Um, I don't think we have the same, our minds work differently, which I think is good rather than having two people who are trying to be both be the president or both be the marketing guy kind of thing. You know, it's like take what we're both good at and and be stronger together rather than be combating. Um, so what we're at. Well, how would you classify yourself? How would you classify him? Like, what are you like? What are your in terms of like the investing and just overall like the project and stuff, like kind of what's your, what are your, what's in your wheelhouse and what's in his wheelhouse? Um, personality differences. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, I think I'm better at like, like maybe like marketing stuff and like marketing and management. And he's good at operations and like structure and kind of putting pieces in place. Uh, he's in the military. So he kind of, um, has seen that how that stuff is built and you know ways to implement it on our end and just yeah. keeping things organized and like you know I, which I think is really helpful with scalability as well if we you know we want to do this like at least at least one more time hopefully two more times as as soon as possible and getting the processes in place and you know simple things like checklists and you know ways that things are managed I think makes it a lot easier rather than trying to just like ad hoc it the entire time. I'd also say you have a pretty good analytical mind. I mean, a year, I mean, we've traded a lot of emails back and forth, a lot of conversations over the last few years now, but uh, this is well over a year ago, I think. You you were do you did a bunch of research on where you pulled, uh, you know, room rental data off of Craigslist. You scraped it, you put it into a spreadsheet, you ran some analysis on there to determine, hey, how much extra room or how much extra rent can you get renting room by room when there's a private bathroom? I mean, you did an impressive analysis job on there, I thought. And I've sent that to a lot of people last year or two. Yeah, I was happy. I was actually thinking about that way over here, and I was happy. I think I think the number I got was like 750 or something. That that was like kind of like the floor of rent, and it was like 750, 850. And I've, the, the, rent, the, the rental numbers in the house have reflected that, so it was good to see that it did. It wasn't... Uh, wasn't incorrect, I guess. I mean, it'd be nice to int- probably update it again and see how it looks. But and I think you put in the from your research, you what it was like a hundred, one hundred twenty-five dollars extra per month for a private bathroom. Yeah, it was something. Yeah, it was, yeah. Like, it was quite it a was bit. It was a significant bump. Yeah, yeah, it was quite a bit. Yeah. So let's talk about. Um, so I think we you started your house hack search. Is that like October, November time frame? Yeah, I think it's somewhere around yeah. there. So we started that, and I know. You know, we went through and we kind of looked at some different locations, looked at some different property types. Um, but then we, you end up buying, buying a five-bedroom, 
two-bathroom house in North Aurora, not too far from the Anschutz Medical Complex there. But why did you end up buying a house and that location? Like, what was your 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 knowledge learning, your thought process? We went through the like, hey, let's look, let's review, let's walk, let's look, review, let's walk. Why'd you end up there? Yeah, so I think initially wanted to, like, I've been lived out in Denver for 10 years, always lived pretty much in the city area. So initially, of course, you're like, I want to, a, I can't afford the city. So that was off the bucket, you know, um, fan of the mountains, like getting out. So initially started kind of looking at the West side, uh, Lakewood areas. And that's where we're looking at kind of at attached stuff, but something like really started to pop up to me. That was the West side is just like the older part of town and the values were quite high, but the houses needed some to a lot of work and they weren't updated and they and they looked dated as well. And my big thing was like, I wanted to walk in as ready to go as possible without putting the work in, you know, I'm work full time and also wasn't going to have a 20 or $30,000 budget to get the house refreshed. So wanted to avoid that. And, you know, it's had to come to the realization that it's, you know, you got to go from, the, you know, the West side is kind of that more like premier property. People are closer to the mountains. They'll pay more for it, but I don't want to say you're getting less, but you're getting a very different property um, compared to, if you look at the East side and, there's definitely certain like areas that haven't been updated yet, but they're this particular area of like Aurora, I feel like is uh, primed for the areas that aren't already better, like getting a lot better, even with the Stanley marketplaces over there. It's like essentially across the street from Stapleton, the Anschutz hospitals right there. Um, even like the development on Colfax and all that is quite a bit. There's access to 225. So it just looks like a really good commuters hub. You know, it's I think eight miles to downtown, which is like laughably close, but in Denver term, people think People think that it's, you know, like you can't even access it. Yeah. But it, you know, it, it's right there. Um, I, you know, I ride my, I can ride my bike downtown in 30 minutes. Um, so I started looking over there and, and there was a lot of areas that were, had been, I don't, they weren't flipped, but people had been living there long enough that they had enough equity that they made the house a little nicer. And those prices were that, you know, property prices were the same as the West side. And you can walk in and say, my house is ready to go and move people in right away. And so, I mean, I know one of the nice things about that. So, I agree. I agree with everything you said. There is just, uh, you know, it's just it's a lower price point, and rents are almost as strong as they're on the west side. Yeah, and that was I was, you know, I have lived in people like essentially house hacking in Denver. I've lived in my own. I lived in apartments, so I was really familiar with what Denver rents were. I was not so familiar with what Aurora rents, Aurora's rents would be, nor the demand for what the demand for them would be, um, having especially lived in the city the entire time. And I was pleasantly surprised that every time I had, had listings up, I've, I got a, enough demand or enough interest in them to like not concern me, which was, which was a concern going into it. You know, I went close to the hospital with the intention of trying to get students. Um, but when, we, by the time we closed on the house and was able to get people in there, we were outside that narrow window where people where students are moving, you know, they're not moving year round. They're usually getting that set up before the semester. So I didn't really have that opportunity and that kind of scared me, but I ended up getting, you know, three people in there within, I think four or five weeks, which seemed like forever when you're trying to get somebody in there right away. And you're like trying to beat that first mortgage payment. Um, but you know, realistically, that's not that long of a time to fill three vacancies. No, especially in February. Yeah. And that's the thing. I mean, you, you were not leasing up in 
I mean, not the worst time, but not the best time either. I mean, February things are just starting to get a little better there. So let's talk about like specifics you did there because you closed, I think you closed towards the end of January, right? Yeah, it was like January 16th or 18th, something like that. So January, let's just say January 15th for easy math. So that would put your first mortgage payment due. You skipped February 1st. That puts it due March 1st. Yep. Right around that first week of March. Yep. Um, So your first payment is due then. So it sounds like your goal is to have it leased up before payment number ones do? Yeah. yeah. Was that, that was kind of like, is that just kind of like, because I, I do those things too. It's more just for like to give myself like a deadline and like yeah. kind of like a game to play. Yep. Does that sound like you're kind of just saying, hey, call, I just want to see if I can beat beat that mortgage payment? It's, that's exactly what it yeah. was. And unfortunately, I closed on the house. I think I closed on the house. I think it was the 18th. And then on the 21st, I was gone for two weeks. I went to the Czech Republic. Oh, that's I, right. Yeah. I actually went and saw Mike in Germany uh, where he was stationed. So it was like, I I was like, oh, I got plenty of time. I've got six weeks to get this place leased out. So I just didn't, you know, that was already a pre-planned trip, but yeah. um, lost two weeks of it too, which kind of came back and you're like, oh man, time's the clock's really ticking now. So you got back around February 1st. Yeah. What, I mean, actually from closing to that, it was like, what did you do? Like, what were the steps you outlined to start getting the place ready to rent? Yeah, so... I think, and it's something I think you hit on a lot and with this stuff is like how important photography is to, for your marketing. And my thing was like, well, I know I need good photos. Unfortunately, I, I had the MLS photos, but it in no way reflected what the house looked like. So I didn't really want to use those. Like obviously I can use like the exterior ones, but, and then I had I moved in there with a couch, like and nothing else. I, you know, I didn't have anything when I moved in. So I had to get everything. And I think that was like number one priority is like, I can get somebody in here, but they're going to probably not want to move into this guy's empty house. You know? And was your plan to kind of like furnish the common areas? And that's something Mike and I talked about. We said, hey, should we furnish, let's say, 85% of the house? And then if somebody moves in, like, hey, I've got a couch or whatever, and then we can just utilize that. And we thought, you know, that would be a good way for us to save some cash, utilize it on something else. Um, but I got the first guy in there. He had nothing. Um, and then it was just kind of like, you know what? I think I'm better off you know this is it's two floors and i was trying to rent the upstairs rooms first so i said you know forget about it let's just fully let's make the upstairs fully furnished if there's extra stuff we can put it downstairs they won't have to buy it then so that kind of turned what the plan is turned into what the plan was and i got really good at uh, facebook marketplace hunting which i think is just like the place to get stuff um I mean, I got like killer deals on things. I just got to be ready to go and oh, yeah. be ready to pick it up, you know, because that stuff moves quick. But I mean, I think probably furnished the upstairs and the downstairs, like, you know, a kitchen table, couch, coffee table, like multiple, multiple couches, multiple chairs, all that stuff for probably under a thousand bucks. And you got, did you like stock out the kitchen with, you know, silverware, plates, pots, pans? Yep. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I, and that was one of those things there's, like I saw some lady on Facebook selling a whole thing of dishes for like twenty dollars, and you're like, "Let's get them." You know, Done. I'll be there. I'll be there on Tuesday, or you know, whenever it is. And um, and unthankfully, we did do that because all three people who have moved in brought essentially nothing with them. They brought a, a couple things, a pot or a pan, but not you know, not enough to sustain any one person. So definitely suggest having. It's I think it's better to have too much stuff than to not have enough of it. And that's pretty common. I mean, from uh, all. Investors I've talked to, house hackers I've talked to, they all say go with furnishing the common area because that keeps moving and move out a lot simpler. And then you can also control the environment to make sure someone isn't bringing like a gigantic couch that's not the right fit. 
And then it's just, and then yeah, you know, most of the people running in my room, they're they're going to be minimalist. Yep. And they just want to okay, come in. They'll take care of their bedroom, and then when they're out, they're going to take their bedroom with them, and that's about it. Yeah, I totally agree with that. It's, you know, that's something we thought about. It's like, how right, we get somebody in, and they move out. Let's say they had the main couch, and then it's like, well, now we're on the hook for a couch anyway. And like you say, what if it's a yeah, big red or velvet red couch or something? And you're like, this is not the not that I'm a feng shui guy, but you know, it's not going to match anything. Yeah. And, you know, you're trying to avoid. Well, it's the, disgusting, and you don't want it. Right. Yeah. You're just trying to avoid as many of those. Control everything that you can control in a sense, yeah. you know, and I, I think that has ended up definitely being beneficial. So you got most of that furnishing done there. Sounds like that first part of February. Uh, f- first part of February, like into March, it was like it was a constant thing, you know, okay. kind of trying to just hunting for stuff, hunting for the yeah. right stuff that kind of that kind of matched. So when did you start marketing your property? Uh, I put it I put it up like almost right away, even with the MLS photos, just to try and start driving interest because I knew the time of year was going to be a challenge, and I wanted to give that runway as long as possible. I think I got the first guy in the last week of February, and then I got another guy in. It was like they all they all came in like really quick sequence, which worked out well. Um, there was like a there was a period where I was living in that house by myself. It was essentially empty, and you're just like, oh man. Like this is like kind of that was when it was kind of scary because it was just like there's nothing in here there's nobody living here and it's like it's just like the March first is not March first on the back of my mind you just yeah. like, where just like we need to get people in here and it was really hard not to get like desperate in a sense there's a lot of people who reach out to you who are people you know where you can tell that they're already like people are like what's the deposit eight hundred bucks well I don't have eight hundred bucks like then this probably isn't a fit you know and rather than just trying to like get people in there out of desperation, kind of having that patience to, to deal with it, and you know get get at least closer to the right people in there. You know you're never going to be able to get perfect fits in there. It is kind of a crapshoot to some sense. You can only like vet people so well via a couple background like a background check and a credit check. You know yeah. personality says a lot more. So did you use um, like an online software to do all the? The background check and all that, like a cozy or yeah. One of those. So I use cozy. Okay, and I got that from a recommendation from a friend who manages a couple properties, and it's been really. I can't imagine not using it. It's just I think it gives a lot of confidence to the tenants, knowing that there's like this professional side to it. You know, they know it's my house, but they know that it's not just you know. There's like a system to it, and I think it's it's respected more in that sense that it's a little there's some structure to it, which I I appreciate, and there's some like tracking in the sense like receipts for them receipts for me and, and it also just makes your life a lot simpler like uh, they've got a yeah. streamlined process that yeah. just i mean saves you a bunch of time yeah and the background credit check thing is awesome it's yeah. super simple to read they can pay for it through there like there's just like you don't have to get your hands dirty and any of that stuff so i i definitely recommend that service for for anybody who's kind of who's not using it or not using anything so you know i um thinking of like you know uh if you guys can visualize that there you know a marketing or sales funnel where you've got you know the wider part up top and then it goes down, down, down. It gets nearer at the bottom. You know, standard marketing sales funnel that's taught in businesses and or business class people use. You always got to get, you know, more people up top. They go through the filter, you know, step one, step two, step three. And every step along the way, a certain percent of your potential uh, tenants drop out or self-filter, whatever it is. And then at the end, great, you get, you get the result, which is a roommate or a client, whatever it is. So walk us through your 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 funnel and kind of like the major steps you took people through if you can remember like rough numbers hey i had you know 100 people reach out to listings and move on to here like what's all, all that look like yeah so i think like the very top of that funnel for me is 
like general general information. Like it's 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 like the listing, right? Yep. And I use that listing in you know, I started out, I just put it on Facebook Marketplace and didn't get the hits I wanted. So in my mind it was just constantly like, what is the next thing I have to do to get more leads? Because just putting it here, set it and forget it, it's not it's not working. Mm-hmm. Uh, put it on Craigslist and I actually got I think I got zero uh, responses from Craigslist, which was really, really strange because I've always found it everywhere I've lived via Craigslist. Everyone's using Facebook now, though. Yeah, I know. And I, and that this very much proved it to me. So I started digging into Facebook deeper and got into like really niche groups, rental groups, like Denver, like subletting group. Like the Facebook groups. Facebook groups, yeah. yeah. Anschutz housing group. Um, and there's like two or three more that I was in. Found all, like a Buckley Air Force Base one, which isn't too far away as well. And just got into these really niche groups. So I was in at least multiple places where people were doing it. And so the way I worked was get the listing out, get that first like bite someone's like kind of interested and then drop the like more specific details on them. That'd be like my step two filter. It's like, here's what we're looking at. Here's what like the expectations are, you know, kind of what the living situation is going to look like. Like really giving them a good understanding of what that looked like. And if they were, you know, they okayed that, it was bring them into the actual house, let them take a look around, meet each other, see if we meshed well enough, you know, what, it, you know, if they thought this was a good fit for them. And then if they looked okay there, move into the contract, except like, you know, lease acceptance. So what was like the rough amount of time you spent in posting stuff and then also just, you know, working, working the Facebook groups? Yeah. So I think, I mean, obviously as the funnel goes down, you spend less time. The first, the top one, I would say I, I got, at one point I was really active and got a lot of success and actually pinging people directly. You'd mm-hmm. see them post something and I would Facebook message them. Hey, I got a house. Here's a link to the, here's a link to the listing that I have. You know, and let, you're just like copy paste yeah, that message to and, them. And just like, let me know if you're interested and I can give you like the stage two details, more details about like kind of what this is like. And I actually got, a, I got, one of the roommates like that. Um, he he's one of those ones like, yeah. But he, he told me he's like, yeah, I was looking, and then like you messaged me, and it ended up being perfect. You know, so I think you know like the sales and the marketing kind of working together. Like, gotta kind of take that initial step to get them to like, get them to bite. Oh yeah, um, especially doing that outreach like that. That's yeah. what's going to drive more people. Right. So I think that was super helpful. So I was, I mean, I was probably spending, uh, let's say like one and a half to two hours a day on Facebook, just like making sure it looks right reading the new posts to see if anybody what they were looking for is something that I could match with and directly reaching out to people um and like phase two of it let's say is like follow-up information is pretty straightforward you can almost copy and paste like you know what it is so not a lot of time let's say 25 30 minutes and then I think I only got I think I got four people who came to the house who didn't end up um signing a lease and those were fairly short meetings as well, it was like 15 minutes per, so not a, not a ton of time. So, I mean, that's a pretty good, I mean, if you, I mean, you have three roommates. Yeah. And so that means you basically have, what, seven people come to the house, three turned to roommates, and four were just yeah. not. That's, that, I mean, that's a really high ratio. So what was, so after, I want to take a step back though in the funnel process here, because I, this is the stuff I, always, I really enjoy talking about. So you got your postings out there, you're out there grinding on Facebook to ping people and and do all that. And then I'm assuming that would start, you know, what, a phone call or a, a private message discussion? Yeah. Kind of some type of engagement from yeah. there. And from there, was it just Q&A? Did you send more information? Like, what, what happened in that 
first conversation? Um, mostly, mostly a Q and A stuff. I'd give them a pretty good, like rundown of like what the house is going to be like. Multiple people living here. This kind of thing. You know, like let them know that there's they're essentially like move in ready and just let, kind of see if they have any questions about it. If they, you know, most people, I would say, have a fairly good understanding of like what the different living situations can be. You know, it's like private apartment. You know, I have my own apartment. Yeah. Versus like I'm in a house or I'm in like a house, but it's separate, completely separated split level kind of thing. So it's not like it was like a huge, people were looking to like live, like, you know, when you're trying to spend a thousand dollars on rent, like your prospects for what that living situation is going to be like is, is pretty limited. So I don't think anybody was like caught off guard by what the situation was going to be. So that made it super easy. And a lot of it is just like explaining like, what does the house have and what's going to be provided and like a little bit about myself just so that they could, you know, I think that rapport building is important that like, if we're going to be sharing this house, you know, like, you know, who am I, what am I doing? Um, so that you can be like, at least I don't, I'm not trying to be friends with anybody, but you want to at least be like cordial with anybody, oh, yeah. you know, you're going to be sharing a kitchen and all that stuff. You don't want it to be awkward. So do you tell your tenants that you're also the owner of the house? Not, uh, yeah, actually I did. I would, I, I would wait until they usually were in person though. Um, I, I debated and I, Mike and I even talked about saying like, Mike's the owner, I'm just managing it for him to try and create that level of separation. Um, as far like, you know, you can just kind of have that more like, Hey man, I'm not making the decision. You know, Mike, you know, Mike in Germany is doing it. Um, ended up not going that route and just kind of, I think it's easier to people, it, the experience that people are like, okay, they're, I think they like knowing who that yeah. person is, you know, kind of having that like landlord relationship and me. And I, and I think what provided some power too is, you know, this house is like making changes. It's like someone says something and like, this is uncomfortable or this would be better this way. It's like, all right, let's fix this and improve it because this is surely going to be an issue further down the line for somebody else who lives here. So kind of get that direct feedback loop and like implement change really quickly. And so after you do that, Q&A, I'm assuming at that point, do you have them do an application first through Cozy or do you have them walk the property first? Walk the property first, come in, see if they like it, um, make sure that they were you know, happy with what they saw. If we thought this was going to be a good fit, we just say, hey, you know, I'm asking. My thing was that I just kind of made it as clear as possible. I said, hey, there's going to be multiple people living here. I want everybody to be comfortable with who they're sharing yeah. a living room with. Everyone's going through the same process. I don't really care. You know what? You, you can tell me your credit score is eight hundred or whatever. I don't. You know, it's like I want everybody to know they went through the same process and that there's this like level of comfort with everybody who's in the house. And I never got any pushback from it. There was one guy who was like trying to move down his. He was trying to move down the funnel hard, and he was like, "I've got my concealed carry. I don't need." And it's like I don't care what you have, or you What's know, that guy doing yeah, that was, it's like everybody's doing this. Like this is what it, how it's going to be. And that was like an automatic red flag. It's like getting pushback on this. Like yeah. I just told him, "Was like this isn't going to work." Um, but yeah, got no. You know, I was I felt. You know, because it's weird, you know, because I think if they do the credit and the background check, it's like 30 or 40 bucks. So it's not, it's not free. It's not cheap, you know. So asking somebody who's going to do it, you know, you want them to be, my thought is like, I want you to be serious, committed, and know yep. that this is going to work for you. Um, and everyone, everyone, it was like, I don't want to say they were happy, but they were like, okay with what, you know, I was asking and the reasons why. And they, and, you know, did it without any qualms. So they understood it. Yeah. Okay. So walk the property. Then do the cozy, yep, app, and then accept yep. or reject. Yep. Okay. So you had how many people did you have go through that did the app? Uh, you had I only had I had to refund one person on that. He did it, and it wasn't 
his his credit score and everything was fine. It was just like a personality thing. He came in and it was like a it was a moment of desperation where I was, you know, you're just like I need somebody in here. This guy and I met him and we just I just got a bad vibe from him. I let him keep moving forward and I and I called I even called Mike and talked to him about it and he was. He was like, I don't know, you know, we need people in there. And I was like, ah, but it's like, dude, I spent 10 minutes with this guy and I wanted to pull my hair out. <laughs> and and then I reached back out and I was like, you know what, this isn't going to work, man. And I, I refunded him his deposit because it was nothing on his end that, you know, kind of signaled that it wasn't going to be, it was like a personal decision. So I just told him it wasn't going to work out, refunded him. So only had that one issue of- Trust your gut. Yeah. And I'm, I'm super happy I did. It was one of those ones. He was he was ready to sign a year lease, right? And you're just like, oh man, I could have put myself in a just a miserable living situation. That's something you got to be careful with, especially in this type of like investment. It's like, uh, this is my house. I got to come home to this every single day. I got to see these people every day. Like I am not living alone. So anybody, anybody who's in there, like making your house not fun or comfortable or, you know, you don't want to go home is like you're doing yourself a disservice. So you bought your place is five bedroom, two bath. You're living in one bedroom and you're out three other bedrooms. Right. Now, I know when we talked a while back ago, you were debating about running out the fifth bedroom or not because it sounds like it's a smaller bedroom and they also wanted to make sure that five people could live there comfortably, right? Yep. So now you're three months, four months into this with roommates. What's your plan with that fifth bedroom? Yeah, so currently I switched jobs a couple months ago, so I'm working from home now. So I'm utilizing that as a home office for the time being. I feel like I'm I'm more open to it now than I was when we first started. The, The downstairs bathroom is pretty small uh, relative to the upstairs bathroom. So that was another concern. It's like three people in one bathroom in the smaller one, which I think a lot of it has to do with not so much bathroom size, but people who's living there are like, are people clean enough to like, because sharing a bathroom is no problem if everyone cleans up after themselves. Yeah, if. Yeah, and, if, if, and, if, and if. I think that's the big I've thing. I've had those roommates. Yeah, and the guy I live downstairs with, super tidy guy, there's no issue. That's what makes it seem like we can add a third person in here w- without any struggle. But if there is two dirty people down there, you could easily turn into the situation where you're just like, again, now I've created this like very bad living situation. So I think there's, I think a lot of it comes to like setting expectations with people too. Like this has to stay this way. We have to do this like collectively to make it. Um, and that's something I've tried to impress on all the guys there. It's like, I know living in Denver isn't cheap. I'm trying to provide a reasonably priced housing in a good environment. And that, doesn't that burden isn't just mine that's everybody's here to like create that environment and cleanliness and just like being cordial and friendly and so do you have house rules or community rules like nothing super i mean i don't have anything like typed out that i've given to them but i i mean i definitely stress like the importance of like keeping the kitchen clean the living room clean like backyard clean like anywhere that we are is is a collective it's like I, i i definitely don't let anybody get away with mess. You know, yeah. I, I, I call them out all the time. Hey, when are you plan to clean the kitchen up, you know? And the first couple weeks, it was a lot more of that. And I think everyone kind of picked up on the cues. And I think, you know- So if you just kind of like set and enforce the standards and, yeah. and people have adapted. Right. And, and it makes a huge difference of just like the house being clean and it's just, it makes a better living. So let's talk about the rental rates because you're written out the rooms eight hundred dollars a piece. I got two at eight hundred, one at seven fifty. Okay. The seven fifty one I got into a desperate spot. I was just like, I just was like desperate to get that person in there. And I was just like, Mike, I'm gonna drop it fifty bucks, see if we get anybody. And I think I got somebody like the next day. Okay. I don't think it was because the rental drop. He kind of was like, I need to he just moved here, was like in a 
one of those like long-term hotels and like really needed to move. So I think it, it, the timing worked out. I don't think it was because the rate dropped, which I'm kind of like, you know, dang. But yeah, it is what it is. And plus, you were, I mean, you were starting Lisa's place right as the COVID pandemic was becoming a thing. Right. I mean, that yeah, got I feel real like I, that second week of March or third week of March. Yeah, and I think he moved in like March like third or something like yeah. that. Like he like just skated in. So So what did you um okay, so you got that and uh all the utilities are included in their monthly rent, right? Yep. So all utilities are you're doing house Wi Fi too, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, and that's that's the one thing I'm pressing up on a challenge now is like the air conditioner battle. And I'm trying to figure out a way to incentivize people to not create a $400 electric bill. Uh, right now, it's just, you know, fortunately, people were at work most of the day. So I'm like, you know, it's night. What's weird is because the bottom level is in the basement. So the basement is like so cool. Oh, it stays cool the whole time. Like, like, you know, even when it's 95 degrees out, it feels like it's 75 down there. Whereas the upstairs is the opposite. You know, it's easily 85, 86 up there. So I under, I'm, and it's like, I'm not going to make their life uncomfortable, but it's just like trying to impress that it. it's like, hey, uh, I'm not okay with a four hundred. Hey, that that changes a lot of numbers, you know, really quickly. You know, fortunately, it's for a. I'm much your highest electric bill so far. It's been think, it's been good. It's only been like eighty five bucks. Yeah, because like I think we had pro forman about fifteen hundred for the year. Yeah, for Excel, right. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it's been reasonable in there because it heats pretty well, and it, fortunately, the air conditioner is new. Um, so it's efficient. So it's efficient. And I haven't got that. You know, we just started running it maybe like a week ago. So I ha- I'm waiting to see what that monthly change looks like. Um, kind of going through some steps right now to improve the upstairs, just like airflow, putting fans, putting a fan in the kitchen, like kitchen living room area. I might put one in both of the bedrooms just to help make it feel cooler in there. So something I bought for just my house and this, um, you know, just uh, our house HVAC system is just not very efficient. There's always like a room that's like a couple rooms that are like 10 degrees hotter than the rest of the room. And that's where my, my daughters sleep. So those rooms that need to be the cooler part. So uh, this may work for you, but we, I found on Amazon there, I think they're like 40 or 50 bucks a piece. They, you know how you like, yeah, your floor vent uh-huh. for the HVAC, you take off the metal grate and you, these replace that. They plug in the wall, but they've got two little fans in there. And they just force more air out of the way there. And they've made a huge difference for us to we actually run the AC less. And their two bedrooms, which sit over the garage, are actually much, much cooler. Huh, interesting. Because I was, I, I was just started looking into like zoning, air conditioning zoning, which was like way more technical than I expected it to be. And then like, sm- like a smart vent, which is like a similar thing where they open and close based on this. But it's still going to, you know, it'd be like a $4,000 investment to do the whole no, house. No, go, go and, buy two of these things. Yeah, so I'll have if, to give If, if they're like two bedrooms up there you need. Yeah. I mean, I would try those because they've been phenomenal. Yeah, for, that sounds like a, yeah. it's one of those ones like, you know, trying to willing to put in the small investment to try yeah. and like improve everybody. It's like this, you know, and it's like, I don't know what that electric bill is going to be. But if it's $400, you know, a $200 investment. You know, it's one of those things that's going to happen year over year yeah. over year and month over month. So I don't think you're going to be four hundred dollars, man. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I'm just afraid. I just know coming from California when you run that AC. All so the I can time. tell. You, I lived a couple of years in California years ago, and their electric bills are much, 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 much higher, <laughs> or their rates are much higher right. than here in Colorado. Oh, that's, that's at least that's so, a, that's a, makes yeah, me I, feel a little better. I, I don't want to like jinx you, but I, I, I think you're going to be far below. Even yeah. if you're in the AC, I don't think you're anywhere near four hundred dollars. Well, I don't bill. have to be like I don't have to be like the air conditioning czar every day. Yeah. Then <laughs> yeah, you don't have to be uh, be that guy. But so I, I mean, definitely, obviously, I, I'm all about like uh, being efficient. You know, yeah. LED light bulbs, all that type of stuff. But um, I, yeah, try those, man. They were they've been yeah, great. I'll definitely do that. Home yeah. Depot after this. Yeah. 
I had to the Home Depot one. They didn't have that to order them online. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Amazon after this. Then. Yeah. But yeah, whatever. It was like Fifty bucks. Yeah. Um. So, what did you do for leases? Uh, as far as the actual lease or yeah. like lengths? Just yeah, as far like well both like yeah. the, the actual uh, lease document because you know like room by room is a, a very very small niche of yeah. investing out there and and also the term. So the lease itself, I will say, I don't want to say it's perhaps room for improvement. My previous living situation, I was living in a a room-by-room room situation, and the woman who was running it had a professional lawyer like, draw up this document. So I essentially took that document, made some changes to it um, that were a little bit more prevalent to my house-specific you know, utilities and you know things that are included or not included. And I got a friend who was a lawyer. I had him just look over it. And he didn't change it or anything like that. He didn't he didn't throw any red flags at me. So just make I, sure there's nothing stupid in there right, for you. Right, nothing basically. stupid in there. And um, have essentially rolled with it. And the lease, actual leases themselves are, are I would say, less than desirable. But I, I time them to a certain way. So the first guy, he came in, and this was like, again, out of like acts of desperation and and in the like time of, time of year. The first guy came in, um, he was just like, you know, obviously... I don't want to say like timid, but it's like, you know, who knows what this limitation, he was the first one. So like, I just want to do three months. And I said, that's fine. You'll, your lease will be done in June. So I, I, you leave, I get somebody in here now, you leave. I'm in like prime rental situation. So I had no problem with the short term. He's still there. Um, kind of on a month by month. I got to actually have a conversation with him. Oh yeah. June either, first about either move out or sign another lease. Yeah. What you want to do here. Um, the second guy came in in March and he was kind of the same thing. He signed like a, five months. Everyone was just kind of in this weird, like, I want to see how this is, this living situation is before I commit to a year long. And that's pretty lease. common. I yeah. Mean, and that's like, why I'm like trying to figure out like, Hey, maybe we do like a tour. And I tried to time him. You know, he's like, what about this long? I said, well, how about we do five months? Cause then you're out in, if you don't like it, you're out in August and I'm still in a, in a, in a decent time to re-rent and go from there. And then the last guy I actually furnished one bedroom with the intention of trying to rent it out to um, travel nurses because they're so close to Anschutz. So I ended up getting a killer deal on a bedroom set. I think I paid $400 for everything, mattress included. Um, so it wasn't a huge investment. Set up this room. It's good to go. You know, it was in, currently marketing on, um, I have to look at some travel nurse website on there, but tons of leads, people coming in there, hey, I'm going to be here for this long or whatever. But I reached out to this guy on Facebook. He was in a looking to, you know, he had to move, was going to move with his buddy, needed somewhere short term. So I offered this up to him. Um, but he looks like he's going to stay a little longer as well. So none of them are, you know, long term 12 month leases, which I can't say that, like, you know, I think there's a certain level of comfort in having that. But I also kind of like knowing that, you know, if there's somebody who isn't kind of playing by the rules or like working well, I can get them out of there. Um, so I, you know, I kind of am trying to rethink this on how to like, almost like a, you know, people see in like sports contracts where you're like, we get this like mutual option thing, you know, let's set this up for a short term. This is, you know, it's three months, your lease period ends in a period that works for both of us. And we can just say, we can go from, we can go from three to 12 and nothing's going to change. And we can just kind of re-up the lease from there. What, um, actually a couple things here. So, uh. I'll send you. So I, I actually have a lawyer right now drafting up a lease for room by room rentals. So I'm gonna get you a copy of that once we get that done, because uh, that should hopefully help you out. And yeah. Then he'll be there as a resource to help customize it if needed. But that's been, you know, it's a been a thorn on a lot of people's sides. Um, so we're gonna get something like in place. Yeah. 
Uh, and the other thing, what were you seeing as far as like, so you had one, for the, going back to the traveling nurses, so you're, you're you know, you're doing a, a, a medium term lease for a, a private bedroom and a shared space. What type of rate were you seeing over there for a medium term nurse, not traveling nurse rate? Yeah. So I set it up. If you're furnished, obviously furnished, furnished private is, I mean, you can get 12, 1300 bucks a month. Yeah. Oh, wow. Um, you know, if they have that privacy, that access to the kitchen, like you know, pretty easy. Um, but I was planning on trying to rent it. I was going to shoot for 900 just to see what I could, you know, there, a lot of them have, but those. why were you so below if you get 1200, 1300, why were you so no, below? No, pri- like private, like not non-shared housing. Like if, oh, if the okay. house, if I, they would have had the whole bottom floor, probably could have okay. done like 13. What about for like a private room in your house? Th- that's what I was going to shoot for about 900. Okay. And I, uh, my goal was to not be below 850, but I, I'm pretty confident I could get 900. Um, but do you think that extra $1,500 a month is worth the extra time for it versus just, Hey, go find something for 12 months. Right, And I think that's what it's kind of come down to. Yeah. And I'm, I don't know. I, I've scraped a ton of lead data from there because they send you the leads for people who are in your area. So I want to go through and review them in some capacity. A lot of them say kind of how long they're looking to be there. And it's something I found unique was a lot of them weren't traveling alone. They would be bringing a boyfriend, bringing a husband or- Oh, really? Yeah. Or, okay. they're, or they're like, hey, my husband's going to come visit, you know, certain X amount of weekends per month or something like that. So I think there is some there is some value in being able to provide a- private, you know, cause I, I don't know, there's, there's value in being able to provide some like private space, but it's still shared, you know, if they had, uh, the math doesn't really work out with two. If you have two bedrooms downstairs, you can rent obviously one at a thousand, even a thousand doesn't make sense when you could be doing, you know, 1500 with two. Oh yeah. So I don't know. I, I think it's interesting, at least for me it, to have that like back pocket ace to think like, Hey, there, there's one more place I can market, um, rather than just being, I've only got Facebook. I've only got this. So it's just like, in my mind, it was like a hundred bucks for the year to get access to all the leads. So not a huge investment. Um, and at least have that ability. And you can reach out. They give you cell phone numbers and emails to those people. So oh, wow. you, you can reach out directly to them. Uh, so it's a pretty efficient way to do it. Um, never really dove into any conversations with anybody though. Um, everybody who was, the, the period of time where I had access to the leads and before I got the room rented, didn't really have anybody who looked like they'd be a, be a fit. But I think offering like space for a dog and all that kind of stuff is huge for a lot of them because if they are a nurse, maybe they can only get an apartment, their dog's stuck inside 12 hours a day. I got a yard, there's other dogs in the house. So I think there's some like value in being able to provide it to a subset of the subset kind of yeah. thing. So uh, I, I think I'll probably continue to investigate it, at least learn about it and have it just as, a, as another option. Yeah, well, keep us up to date on that because, I, I mean, I've had a lot of clients look into doing that and Airbnb and the vast majority are like, yeah, for the extra, I can make extra money, but like for the, all the extra time I have to do, it's not worth it. Right. So I'm kind of curious, especially you since you are very good at analysis, kind of what you find out. Yeah. Because, hey, an extra few dollars a month for me, I can tell you if that takes me an extra two hours a month to do it, it's not worth it. Right. Um, so I'm kind of curious where your break even is on that. Um, so... What surprises popped up? Any did you have any surprises pop up to you? Like just learning experience, like hey, hey come with you have your plan, you have your mindset, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, reality, and like any of those moments. Um, besides almost being electrocuted. Yeah, second day I was there. gonna say probably that, probably <laughs> that one. I, you know, I think like the story that everyone tells, like as soon as you buy a house, like something goes wrong. And, oh yeah, and that's I mean that literally like. 
two days after something went wrong. Yeah, what happened? Because you told me, but tell the audience. Yeah, so um, the house had been re, you know, remodeled, and I feel like in general contractor, they're doing it as quickly quickly as possible, perhaps not always up to code. Um, so I had under the sink an electrical outlet box, and I kid you not, directly below the U-bend out of the sink, which who thought to put it there, I do not know. Um, and when we got the inspection done, they had flagged that the, there was a, I forgot what the term was. It was like some, the, there's like a, ex, like an exhaust for essentially, it's not an exhaust, but like a air filter or airflow so that the sink doesn't, like it, it gets air in there. Okay. Um, and it's just like a T-bend. So there's just like a top that, that rolls so the air can get in there. It didn't have this uh, like cap on it. In my mind, it's like if someone, someone's been living here, you know, this, this obviously needs to be addressed, but it's just like people use the sink already, right? You know, oh, yeah. I'm not expecting this to be like some catastrophe. So I had made breakfast and I remember I'd put like some eggshells down the drain and, you know, running water, I hit the garbage disposal and, you know, it's running, it's running. And then I turn it off and then I don't have shoes on and I feel my feet get wet. And I was like, oh no, this is not a good, not a good sign, right? So I look down there and there's just, water and eggshells everywhere and i'm just like what like, what ha- what happened here you know and i was like oh no like that cap and you know sure enough it's only it was probably only like two inches off of the actual bend so i think with the force of the garbage disposal and the water running it's just throwing water everywhere mm. i was like oh no and then i looked down and i was like oh no the electrical box there's water you know a fair amount of water down there now and like i swear to you a split second later the pop and then the smoke and then I can see inside the box I see the orange start to come and I was just like oh you know now it's like panic mode has set in I've only been there for two days I don't have anything I was like how do I put this this thing catches on fire what do I do I can't throw more water on it this is gonna make it worse I don't have a fire extinguisher you know it's February like sprint outside no shoes on just cut the power to the whole house because I don't don't know what we know which oh yeah which one is like cut the power and I'm just sitting there like oh god what do I do and it was like, all right. And I'd really think about it. What do I do? So I went back in, cleaned up the water as best as possible, uh, looked at the box. Fortunately, it was marked for the kitchen. So I threw that switch. Um, but that was like the refrigerator, the oven, all these things. So I have none of these things. So I dried it up, um, ended up like pulling the the electrical, like the actual box you plug into out, like above the junction. And, you know, sure enough, it's, you know, it's just black. And then, you know, at least like getting that unplugged, dried, separated the wires, capped the wires back so there was no power running to it. Um, So I got that taken care of. And then I'm like, all right. You know, it was like probably two days later. I was like, well, I still need to use, I got a cap finally. I took like 14 trips to Home Depot to figure out what was going on. Glued it all up, did it wrong. Had to go back and buy everything again. Yep. Sounds about right. (laughs) So I got it, eventually got it right. And then, um, all right. So I'm like, all right, I got, I don't have power down here. So I was like, I need to be able to at least run the garbage disposal. So I run an extension cord, plug the garbage disposal in. It immediately goes up. Just heard it. Just heard it spark, and then smoke. And it was just the garbage disposal. Like, the garbage disposal. Huh, I, don't okay. even, I don't even know why. Still to this day, it was plugged into a completely different socket, and it had been like a week. So any of the, the 
prongs that have been Maybe it's gotten fried in the first one. I don't know. Yeah. But then like, so just like that started, you know. Yeah. But it Garbage was like, supposed to always break. So always, yeah. yeah. So I got a new one of those. Got that hooked up. Bought fire extinguishers yeah. and, and got that situation. Did you get, did you put like a GFI plug? Yeah, I put a GFI one down there, an outdoor GFI one, and then I put an outdoor cover on it as well yeah. to try and, you know, to mitigate it at least if it leaks. I probably need to put some sort of like moisture sensor or something down there because it's a looming problem and did you sell moisture sensors that like yeah alert or ping your cell phone yeah. yeah um so i had that and i think just the the surprise i don't want to say like i wasn't surprised at the cost of everything but it was just like you got to buy a lot of stuff and i remember mike and i we you know we had agreed on a sum put it in a bank you know we paid for the um our five percent down had all that so we had a, a chunk of change in there and it's like well this is dropping quick so we we're constantly i'm constantly on phones with mike doing capital calls um, but and that was one thing I say it was great being a partner. It's like, well, I need a thousand bucks to do some stuff. Really, I only needed five hundred bucks because I'd say, hey, Mike, let's both put in five hundred bucks. I can go get this, this, and this. Yeah. So that made it way, like, way less financially stressing on myself to say, like, these things have to. I mean, they have to be bought. You know, it's like simple, simple things like blinds for these windows, and you just like it, people are going to live here. They expect these things to be in here. Um, you know, buying a couch, 200 bucks, buying a table, 200 bucks, 200. Home Depot, I probably, the amount of receipts I have for $100 at Home Depot is like the the Target, you know, people have that same issue. You go to Target and spend 100 bucks in the same way at Home Depot. I got a, just a stack of receipts where you're just like, need this, this, and this, 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 and this. And you're natural, like three chips in a weekend. Um, and just add it up really, really quickly. So I think that next time we do this, definitely planning on having that bank a little bit more padded to say yeah. like, hey, when we run into these issues, it's like we're not, hey, so need some money. So as we wrap up the podcast, because this has been great and you know we get a lot of people that want to do or are interested in doing what you're doing here. Hey, just an active room-by-room room house hack. I mean, so, so far, you're giving them a thumbs up or thumbs down as far as doing the house hack. Oh, two thumbs up. Two I, thumbs up? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think it finally started to settle in. Like I said, I just changed jobs. Took a little bit of a pay cut on some things, you know, with in terms of hoping to get more long-term. And I was just going through, like got a first paycheck and I was... <clears throat> able to look at my finances and say like, I'm even at like a lower pay, I'm at like a 50% savings rate. Nice. Which is, which in my mind, I was like, God, I want more, but you're like, and then I took a step back and I was like, the fact that I could even be in this position is massive. Cause you're living for like two, $300 a month, is it? Or? Yeah. And I, and I, and I don't, and I just put that in to be able to make sure like we're not drawing down the bank account. Right. So it's my, my Home Depot trip. So I'm, I'm essentially paying for the Home Depot trips. Um, yeah and trying to improve the house. And I think as time goes, that money will start to add to it. So it sounds like you would recommend other people out yeah, there just- Absolutely, yeah. as, as soon as possible, a way to do it. I mean, you obviously have to deal with living with people, yep. which is a thing, but you know, what's, you know, 800, 1200, a thousand bucks a month, whatever you're paying for rent now, like it's, it ends up being worth it once you actually see that that money not going out the door. So what's the long-term plan? You guys are repeating this, right? Or the plans to repeat it? Yeah, I'd like to do it at least one more time. I think, I, I hope to be able to do it in a more a privatized way, maybe like a split level house where I can kind of have some of my own control yeah. as far as cleanliness and things like that. You know, obviously a multifamily would be amazing, but I know that's still a, a massive issue here. So I'm not really looking at that, but um, no, I could do this again, you know, without a doubt, um, knowing you know, knowing what it's going to bring long-term, it's, you know, it's, it's totally worth it. So at least one more, hopefully two more, and then probably start to, you know, look at, look at a different plan from there. Yeah. 
But I mean, yeah, if you get a few of those under your belt, I mean, yeah. they, they build a lot of equity and cash in the long run, as right. you know. And you, you know that, the miles like that. Yeah, you, so. and experience along with it, too. That's, I feel like, oh, yeah. one thing is like the first two months, the learning curve was steep. But I feel like approaching the second and third one now, the, the plan. You should know more, the right? The plan going into it is going to be better. It won't yeah. be different, it'll just be better. Um, okay, so any what final thoughts or advice do you have for people out there that want to get into this? Uh, I mean, thoughts is just, I mean, I would say do it. And if you're not close to doing it, it's just do everything you can to learn about it and yeah. ask people questions. Like people can reach out to me directly if they have questions, like be reading the stuff, the content that's being created on your website, on other people's websites, just like get familiar with it. I think that helped me a lot was not having to learn those things, the and it's like the learning experience was like the personal side, not the actual like management and financial and all that. So getting familiar and staying up to date with it and just like understanding your market as, as much as possible. Be familiar with what your city looks like, what your neighborhood looks like, what those rents look like, um, what the expectations for people are. Uh, and as far as advice, it's, you know, especially at a, a housing prices haven't gone down at all. Like it is difficult to do this on your own. Like, and the creative finance thing is I don't want to say it has to be done, but it is a strong, it's a strong way to get started. Like getting, oh, yeah. a, getting a partner, like is only half this house mine? Yeah. But like everybody says in real estate, it's like, I'd rather be part of like 50% of a deal than 0% of a deal. Yep, exactly. Know? And it's. Especially it, if you guys can truly scale and you right. guys, you do your side, he does his stuff. You get more stuff done that way, divide and conquer. Yeah. And so it's, you know, like find a friend, you know, even if you guys take two of the four or five bedrooms, you know, you can both still be paying four or 500 bucks a month or maybe less and building equity and and learning and then figuring out a way to do it again. Um, so it's totally worth, you know, like the creative financing is a lot more than the chapters people have written in their books. You know, it's like ask anybody in your family if you can borrow money or figure out a way to pay them back because if you have people in there and you are by yourself, like you really will start saving that money very quickly. And if you're wise enough to like repay that to somebody or do something, you know, it, it is worth it, so. Well, Austin, this has been fantastic. So just to double check with you, I can put your contact details on the show notes so yep. people can reach out to you, right? Absolutely, yeah. Great. So we've been talking to Austin Allen about his house hack here in Aurora. Uh, you can see he's doing a great job with it. He's got uh, he's got some not, uh, some street knowledge now to share if you guys <laughs> have questions. Uh, I definitely have, um, he's a great resource. Uh, he knows what he's doing. I'd recommend people definitely reach out to him. So check the show notes for his contact details. Austin, thank you so much. Yeah, appreciate it.